for Truth with a Texas Twang, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff we women store away in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2.19 We want to thank today's sponsor, Noonday Exploration. Noonday helps families by purchasing oil and gas royalties from estates. For more information, call 903-530-9352 or go to NoondayExploration.com. I have a very special guest today. I just want to welcome you. You are one of my heroes, Marcy McSwain. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Well, just so my listeners get an idea of how lucky we are, I, I shared on your dad was on a show with me recently. I'm very excited about that program going out into the airwaves. His we titled... Family and Suicide, a, a father's story about his son's suicide. So I, I wanted—I don't want to forget to mention that because I want mm. people to have the full context of what a beautiful family you have. And I know when they hear what you have to say, they're going to want to hear your dad's episodes as well. But I want my listeners to get a feel for who you are. You are this amazing young woman that I've known since you were a child, but you are now in Washington, D.C., behind the scenes, listening and influencing legislation. And so I have a bio on you. I'm going to read a couple sentences from it, but I want my listeners to know this is a very long bio. (laughs) She is the senior vice president of the McGrath Group. Marcy represents the interest of TMG's clients before Congress and helps her clients manage their issues by monitoring and analyzing current and forthcoming legislation and other congressional and regulatory activities. Now, that's a lot because we know that even our congressmen don't always read the the big, the fine print on some of these laws that get passed. So it's good somebody's watching over that. But also, you, I, I don't usually do politics, but I'm going to throw this in because I just think it's cool. Marcy is a member of the National Republican Club on Capitol Hill. Can you even imagine being in that? She's a so she's in the Capitol Hill Club, which I think is cool in, in its own political kind of way. But here's my favorite thing you do up there. She co-chairs an event honoring the state of Texas, which is <laughs> exactly what, that would be my most important event of the year if I was up there with you. And she <laughs> yeah. also serves on the board of the National uh, Institute of Lobbying and Ethics. And I'm sorry, I'm getting a bing there. I'll try to fix that. That's a little technical glitch on my part. She graduated, and this is significant in her family because they're all Texas Tech fans, but she graduated from A&M. My favorite thing on your bio was the little blurb you sent me, which says that you are an avid traveler. So she has all these credentials, and here's what she sends me. She's an avid traveler, music lover, follower of Jesus, 
and always up for a new adventure and a good conversation. I don't, <laughs> did you know that's one of our things? We love conversational adventure on this show. Well, I figured this was the right crowd to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. That was perfect. I was so glad when I saw it. Well, I'm just so glad you're here. And you, like your dad, have gone through this terrible, traumatizing experience of losing a brother to suicide. Your dad's son, you know, we, he told that story. Now, when he, I, I just need to tell you, when he asked, he offered to connect me with all kinds of national leaders on this topic of mental health. And I was sitting there in my mind going, how do I tell Doug that really I want Marcy on the show and I'm such a fangirl, I can hardly invite her myself. <laughs> Like I was afraid he would say, oh, she's so she's so busy. I hate to give you her phone number. So I wasn't sure he'd give me your phone number. And then after I didn't respond, I, like I was trying to be positive about all these leaders he was offering to connect me with. And, and, and when I didn't really respond wholeheartedly, finally he goes, well, I guess you could interview Marcy. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Marcy. Marcy You're is so sweet. Well, you know, I, I mean, I've told you before, I just follow you with such enthusiasm because I admire you so much. But I also knew that when you Google siblings and suicide, there's just not much that comes up. And, and I can only imagine in families when when one child is having mental health issues, the other children have to figure out how to how to participate in that process of families trying to deal with that kind of trauma. So I knew you were courageous enough to tell your story, and I'm really grateful for you being here today. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. I, The first time I spoke to you, and again today, I'm just completely humbled and, and grateful to you for your kind words, for your love for my family, and, and for doing this podcast and just giving <laughs> me and others the platform to share our stories and um, have others listen in. Um, it's, it's a powerful my, thing. It's my pleasure, and it's really God just doing what He wants to do. <laughs> as you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me, just start, if you don't mind, start a little bit back and tell me some of the things you loved about Patrick. Because I remember he's he's a great kid. Yeah, I love that question. Um, that's actually a piece of advice I usually give people uh, to, on how to talk to grievers is just to yeah. give them the space to to talk about that person. It yeah. it doesn't always have to be sad. So so thank you for starting um, yeah. off with that question. Um, Patrick, as um, people lovingly called him Patch, so I will probably oh. refer to him that way out of habit. And um, that was kind of what the high school. All of our high school friends called him, and he was a couple years older than me, so we went, uh, we overlapped in high school together, and it was a small private school, so we had a lot of time together and a lot of the same friends, and, you know, when I I think of Patrick, there are a couple ways I usually describe him. Um, You know, back in high school, he, he definitely, I'm sure my father touched on this, but you know, an athlete, he was funny, um, always the life of the party. He um, loved to dance, loved, loved, loved to dance, loved music. <laughs> was he good? Was he a good dancer? He or was, was he a dorky dancer? <laughs> no, he was the best. Really? Yes, That's Ryan awesome. and I have always been so jealous of him. Ryan, my younger brother, we've always uh-huh. been so jealous of him and his ability to dance. We just didn't get the talent he did, but <laughs> he carried uh-huh. it well. Um, he, more later in life, how I would describe Patrick is really the encourager of the family, um, you know, in his, in his 
times where he had already been diagnosed with schizophrenia. He was on his medication. You know, I was out living in D.C. Ryan was um, traveling in Africa, and Patrick never uh, resented us. He was always mm-hmm. so proud. I, I knew if something happened in my day, if I wanted someone to just uh, get really pumped up, I could call Patrick, and he'd say, oh, sis, oh, I just can't believe that, or he'd laugh and laugh and laugh at all my stories. He just thought, you know, you could get him laughing on anything, and he made you feel like the funniest person in the world. So, I mean, who doesn't like it when people laugh at your jokes? But uh, he was really good at that. So I just think, the, you know, just the encouragement that he provided uh, to really all of us, but also just his laughter. It was contagious, and it, it just warmed you up when you, when you heard him, and he was a good audience. We have we call that being a brag buddy. You gotta have somebody in your life that that is happy for you when you have success. I mean, you know, and that you can brag because you can't brag to everybody. People do get jealous, I guess. But my mother in law always did that. She thought my children were the most perfect children in the whole world. <laughs> Her grandbabies, you know. (laughs) So I would call her and tell her every good thing they ever did. And she never accused me of bragging. So that's funny. Your go-to audience. My brag buddy. (laughs) Those are good ones. Well, so you you were, I know your dad said that this developed after he went to Texas Tech and it hit really suddenly. And by the way, I'm not, I didn't even mention Ryan in our opening, but I did in the episodes with your dad, Doug McSwain. Mm-hmm. So when people go to that, they will get to hear the Valentines we created. And I can't wait. I know you hadn't heard the episodes yet. When you hear them, you're going to love them. I can't wait for you to hear them. Because he said so many sweet things about your family and you kids. And really, we wanted to tribute Patrick. We just wanted to honor his life. But we also, he was so aware of you and Ryan and how beautiful and proud he is of you. So you're going to love those episodes. Well, okay, so this hit kind of suddenly. And did did your parents, I mean, I can't imagine, I know your mom and dad so well. I can't imagine they didn't set you down at some point. But at first, nobody even realized, like, how do you even know what's happening? It was so sudden. Yeah, um, I, you know, I think that is a really important piece of this. Um, the shock is, yeah. is really traumatic. Um, it took a while for me to identify that, that there was, per, you know, first of all, the shock of it, mm-hmm. and then the starting of the process and, um, and and walking through this and trying to make sense of it all. And, um, and that was a big part of it. I, I remember, you know, my parents had about a year. So it was in between his sophomore and junior year. So I would have just graduated high school um, and would have been going, um, actually, it would have been in my senior year when this first happened. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. So mm-hmm. my parents kind of had this year that they were, you know, my dad, I'm sure he shared this, but he got a call from my yes. brother on Father's Day and, oh. um, saying, you know, why have you put this chip in my head, accusing him of being in the mafia and controlling mm. him? And my dad went up uh, to Lubbock and picked him up, brought him home for a couple of mm-hmm. days, and then uh, Patrick went back. Um, and so that all, like, there was about a year of, of things happening that I wasn't aware of. Um, and then that summer when my dad get, did get the call and it was clear that um, they were going to have to share with us what was going on. Yes. Um, I would have been 19 then. And he sat us down and he told us and um, 
in actually a pretty dramatic way. I don't know if you want me to get into that moment well, yet. I do want I do want you to do that. Um, and and I I want us to do two episodes. I want us to do another one on the wisdom and all the things you learned. We have about thirty seconds before the break. Okay. When we come back, I want you to give us more detail about how, as a sibling, that looked and felt. Because the moms listening are going to want to know this information. So I'm sorry we have to cut to break. You can find these stories at KathyCraffy.com if you're listening and want more information. And we are so fortunate and thankful for Marcy today. So when we come back. She's going to share more of her story. Stay tuned with us. Don't go away. We're going to be right back after these messages. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio. So stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. You ought to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door. And the next house over is a grocery store. I'm here with Mary Ottman, and I asked her to tell you about Water to Thrive. Water to Thrive builds wells and changes lives for people living in rural villages in Africa. Waterborne illnesses have killed more people than all of the armed conflicts combined since World War II. In fact, 5,000 children under the age of five die each day from waterborne diseases. Since 2008, Water to Thrive has built 750 wells, benefiting 400,000 people. You can make a difference by donating at www.watertothrive.com. W-A-T-E-R-T-O-T-H-R-I-V-E dot org. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause. Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place. A place where corn dogs are on the menu whenever. It's home. Where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. We're 
Welcome back. We're here with Marcy McSwain. Our sponsor today is Noonday Exploration, and we're so grateful that we have this chance to talk to Marcy. Marcy, before the break, we were talking about being a sibling and having mental illness just interrupt your beautiful family life, and then some of the interactions you had with Patrick on his meds, off his meds. I I was hoping you would go more into detail about how, as a sibling, you were able to navigate that. I know your parents are very attentive, but there may be listeners out there who feel like they have as a matter of survival, got to focus on the one child, and they're wondering how their other kids are going to process. So so give us a little wisdom on that, if you don't mind sharing your story. Yes, absolutely. Um, siblings on my heart. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I loved, um, you know, being the middle girl with my two brothers and um, have just such a such a heart for that and just what joy can come and um, how strong bonds with siblings can be. So, you know, speaking to that has most certainly become something that I seek out, <laughs> that people seek me out for. But, um, you know, a few things that kind of came with this, particularly at the beginning stages, um, uh, it's weird, but a lot of guilt. You feel guilty a lot. Um, you know, after the shock wears off, after the how can someone who's just two years older than me think these things Mm -hmm. when we grew up in the same family, you know, Mm -hmm. or you wonder, is this going to happen to me in my next, you know, I was still young. And so Mm -hmm. I, when I will never forget the day when I passed the age that women typically first have their first psychotic break and I passed it and I was like, you know, okay, I I think I'm okay. Or, you know, things like that. But, um, there is a lot, there's a lot of guilt. Um, I, I always struggled with, I didn't want to let my parents down. Mm. I knew that they were mm. having such a hard time. I mean, this was their kid. And I think right. the thing that a lot of people don't realize is the siblings are fully aware of that. Like yes. you kind of have two perspectives. You're grieving it from just your, your first friend, your first peer, your first, mm-hmm. um, you know, your closest family member. Um, who is now, um, you know, for Patrick losing his mind and you don't know what, Mm. what to do. So there's that angle, but then you also have this front row seat to watching your parents through, you know, kind of walk their child through this and you have to help them along. Um, but I just remember, you know, feeling so much pressure. I actually, my sophomore year, I was when I, right after it happened and all of a sudden I started making four Mm -hmm. O's, which you would think it would be the opposite that I would (laughs) be making worse grades, but I just had such a desire to make my parents' life as easy as it could possibly Mm. be knowing what they were going through. But, you know, I would say that put a lot of, I added a lot of pressure to myself and. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the other kind of key part that I would say is, um, just living these two kind of different lives, you know, you've mm-hmm. got this sibling in a mental institution and then, you know, for me, then I'd be going back to the sorority house and doing mm. my college thing and this kind wow. of divide and disconnect between these two kind of profound lives. And if you're not talking to people about it or in some sort of space to where you're processing, mm-hmm. um, 
and you don't want to add burden to your parents, that that can cause a big breakdown, and it did in my life. I can see how that'd be so helpful for any moms that are listening to understand that perspective, that your child might be feeling responsible and guilty over something that obviously as an adult you would know is not their responsibility, but that doesn't keep... Uh, I mean, even adults, we all deal with that all the time. So I can see how a mom, how beneficial that is for a mom to hear you explain that. Do you mind sharing a little bit more? I know your dad shared that when when they found out that Patrick had committed suicide, first of all, that was an ongoing thing because he had threatened it at before actually is that correct yeah he had um, and okay. it was actually when I first found out and I got a call mm. and you had asked me before the break about how that unfolded but you know I got a call with my mom home for the summer and this was literally the first I had heard of it and it was my dad oh. saying have you heard from Patrick you need to get home he's threatened to kill himself oh. and you know that was the opening line and it was just like oh what is happening right now, you know, rushing oh. home. The cop cars in the driveway, seeing your brother um, taking out in handcuffs, you know, oh. that was the initial kind of first just big blow, like when everything so changed. But when the police found him and arrested him, I mean, I don't know if they arrested him, but they put handcuffs on him, and, and instead of taking him to jail, they brought him home. Is that what happened? They got him from home. So Patrick um, had met my dad at the office, and that was when he had had this kind of major break with my dad. And then um, I guess he went home, and the sad thing was he was just up in his room watching a DVD. But we didn't know. We didn't know he was going to harm us or himself. And so, you know, we had to call the police. And so they met us at the house, and, you know, we were outside on the side of the house hiding Mm -hmm. and and then they went and got him and took him out in cuffs and mm. um, we ended up having to go to court I mean he was over the age of 18 and so you right. don't have any legal rights and um, had to have him uh, committed by a judge to the state institution but um, you know that was kind of the initial the initial beginning of this whole journey but wow. uh, you had asked about the also the night of his death. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to hear your. I'm just thinking of moms that might be facing some of these issues right today, and they Google search this and they find this podcast. I want them to know how that was for you, and and anything you can offer them that might encourage them. Yeah, you know, I think a couple of things, and and everyone's a little different, but. Um, I said to my dad after that first break, mm-hmm. don't hide anything from me again. I, oh, I yeah. didn't want to be surprised. I didn't. Oh, yeah. And and he honored that. And I think uh-huh. one of the key things for a family walking through this and what was key for mine was that element of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept us in the loop. And yeah. And he let us be a part of the process, a part of the decision-making. You know, it, it was. It was all of us. It took the whole family to battle. And, and one person can't do it. You know, that is why God gives us families. And, and mm-hmm. I've never known that more than in this moment because we, it took every 
thing we all had. I, I use the phrase, like we left it on the field. Like when yeah. we, yeah. there was nothing left and it was all of us, you know, the burden definitely was heavier on my father and my mother, but it was, it was a team effort and we really depended on each other for that. And I, I love it that you were old enough to give your dad permission not to feel that he had to protect you, but he could respect you as an adult and bring you into the conversation. I can imagine as a parent how difficult it is to know when is the right time to quit protecting and start respecting your kids' adulthood. Uh- Absolutely. Yeah. And and I was aware of that at the time and, and I knew it was hard um, yeah. for him to do that. But when, you know, after it was a nine year total battle and by the wow. end of that, we all were just, you know, I was 27 at that time. Right. And so, and the yeah. Lord had actually put me through a great revival in my heart and, and, mm. and his presence in my life. Yeah. And it's because he knew I, what I was going to face and I, and I right. didn't. And so he right. showed up in my life in big ways. So at that time, I also was very just Holy Spirit driven and, and speaking to my dad was through that. And, you know, so we, we did, we had a good, a good, um, just companionship, the whole family mm-hmm. did throughout this. And so I, I do think that's key. I think, you know, as you go on and you start asking questions, especially after a death and you're like, wait, I didn't know that was happening. Why didn't I, you know, you don't want to go mm-hmm. through that. There's of course the wisdom of the parents, they're the parents. And, and mm-hmm. I have to respect that. And I did, um, and respected their decisions. Um, but they also really respected my, my brothers and, and my mm-hmm. opinions right. and our thoughts. And we were, we were equal parties at the table when we were talking about things and, and it happened that night as well. And um, my dad, called the night of Patrick's death and Mm -hmm. he actually, he called me and my brother Ryan was at the house uh, with my parents. They called me on speakerphone um, and brought me up to speed on what had been happening that Patrick had threatened to take his life and they didn't know where he was Right. and what should we do? And we were weighing out our options and um, my dad, you know, basically just said, let's, let's pray and, Mm. you know, ask Ryan to lead us in prayer. Mm. And so, you know, that was, was a, yeah, very beautiful picture of what it's like to be led by someone who loves the Lord, but I'm also a family unit. I want to I want to read one thing you sent to me. You were so kind to send me this beautiful email that you originally wrote for a very beloved friend who asked you for advice because they were in the same situation and you sent it to me because it's been it's become a uh, something that you a tool you have available and we only have a few minutes but I want uh, you're going to be interested to see of all the beautiful things in this I picked this one and I think it's such a great way to close this show so here's a quote from Marcy I'm not sure where you are in your faith or if you have one at all and I in no way say this in judgment but solely from my own personal experience and my family's I can't read this without crying, really, Marcy. (laughs) Jesus is the only thing that helped us through this. He is the only one that could make sense of it all. The fallenness of this world and how the gospel remedies that is what we've put all our hope in. He overcame sin and death, and by his grace, we have given our lives to him and his will. It's the greatest joy we could ever have. So I I love that as a way to come to the end of this episode. We have about maybe 30 seconds or a minute, and then I have to read my little closing. Do you have anything you want to throw out there before we close? 
Uh, well, I would just say, and what brought me to that point was just, there's nothing like having a brother with a mental illness that'll bring you to your knees and figure mm. out what Jesus is about. And that's what that, that's what, um, that my journey has been about uh, led by Patrick. Mm. Well, you're just such a courageous and brave young woman and so influential in your own right. And I'm really grateful that you took the time to do this with me today. I can't wait to talk about the wisdom you've learned from this. And people can find that on my website, too. I'm going to put both of those there. Both of these podcasts will be there uh, eventually. So that's KathyCraffy.com. K-R-A-F is in Frank. V is in Victor. E is in Edward. And thank you for joining us at Camp Craffy Fireside Talk Radio joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today and we will see you again next week. Oh, Got in key.